Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This message by Trevor Baker is titled, Return to the Nails. Join us at our Looking Beyond Stepping Forward gathering with Bobby Connor and Dr. Sharon Stone and Trevor Baker, the 13th to 15th of June. Register online today, revivalfires.org.uk. You know, um, I was so blessed last week with what Sandy brought. I mean, she just opened some things up and brought us to a place of just taking hold, reaching back to bring it in. And, um, you know, I want to really continue that theme, but to look at the life of Thomas. Um, Everybody knows Thomas. He's called Doubting Thomas. (laughs) You know, I mean, what, I mean, what a title to be given you know oh you know there's doubting Thomas and then and yet nobody Jesus never called him doubting Thomas doubting wasn't going to be part of his life you know and so often is what we do is somebody goes through something and then what happens is we make what they went through to become part of who they are. Now, like doubting Thomas. Do you remember also, there's one person in the Bible who had leprosy. His name was Simon. And again, they connected his leprosy to him as a person. They said they went down to Simon the leper's house. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like my house to be called the leper's house. And, and so there's times in our lives when We go through things and we have to move on from that place. But at times it's like, well, how do we move on? Turn to the person you're by and just say, today I'm going to move on. See, why do I get you to do that? Because I'm getting you to make declarations. You know, when it comes out of our mouths and I'm going to do it enough so that your heart catches up with your words. You know, out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Well, at times you just recite what I say, but I want to so enthuse you this morning with a new sense of the presence of God so that when you speak out those declarations, it becomes part of who you are. Your heart is catching up with your words. Amen. And so with this life of Simon, Sorry, I'm getting Simon mixed up with Thomas now, but with Thomas. And, um, you know, if I were to speak about this morning, um, I really felt that for some of you, you need to return to the nails. It's time to return to the nails. What do I mean by that? That will come out a little bit later. But, you know, there's things that we go through in our lives. It's like the little boy that breaks something and because he breaks it, he hides away so that he won't have to be confronted or to confront the broken thing that he has got in his hand. Have you ever met little boys like that? Um, I was one once. And, uh, And so you break things and then you go and hide or you hide the thing that's broken. Can you see? Sometimes we're like that in our lives. 
And so what happens is that we have, at some point, we've got to return back to the place. But then what happens in returning back to the place is only part of it. Because then you get to go through the process of what it is so that it comes to a place of wholeness again. And, and so often we can't do it on our own. And sometimes it's like the little boy who comes to his dad or his granddad or whatever, but he comes to someone who knows how to fix it. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, nobody here is a fixer. There is only one that can fix the brokenness in our hearts. And that person, his name is Jesus. And so here you go through this process together because what you're doing is in going through the process of fixing that which is broken is what happens is you see that there is someone that you're in relationship with who can take all the pieces and put it back together again. Now the thing is this, Jeremiah 18 says that. It says, I went down to the potter's house. And as I'm down at the potter's house is what happens. I see he sees the vessel that's broken in his hand. And he takes the vessel and he begins to rework it again. Hallelujah. God's reworking things in your life. You didn't realize it, but he is. You wondered why you've gone through that. That's because God is going to work something into your life that's far more glorious than it was before. Come on, our God is not just one who puts us back together. He makes us look even more glorious. And we carry a glory of the restoration of Jesus in our lives. Amen. And so this is what's happening with Thomas. You know, let me just read you the story because sometimes we can get into the message and not see the story that's behind it. Listen to this. Now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. What does that mean? He's missing. He didn't show up. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen him. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in the hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What a statement. What a statement to make that revealed his heart's condition. See, the statement that he was making was revealing just what had gone on in his heart over a seven-day period. I mean, I wonder, what's gone on in your life in the last seven days? Uh, I wonder what words you've said over the last seven days. And here he says these words, but then he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my hand in his eye, I will not believe. A week later, 
Thank you for time. Huh? Aren't you glad that we're still in time? You know, we haven't come to the end yet. Huh. That's good to know. Listen, God is still working. And he still wants, even when we, a week ago, I wonder what your week ago was like. I wonder whether it was like Thomas's. And it says a week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. The very greeting that he gave them the week before. So he connects them again to this greeting. You know, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, it's just like, the one who wasn't there a week ago is there. And Jesus makes a beeline for him. Not in order to be critical of him, but in order to draw him into the reality of his resurrection. See, I believe that God wants to draw people here into the reality of the resurrected presence of Jesus this morning. He says to him, now put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and only believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, would you so reveal to us the depth of this word today so that we may come into a place of real wholeness, returning to the nails. You see, so often we can go through life and we can go through experiences in life and even for Thomas, because he wasn't there, is what happened is he could only see Jesus in the past. He could only see him as this victim on the cross because there was no resurrection. See, when we look at Jesus and we only see him at the cross, he is a victim. He's a victim of all the injustice. He's the victim of a criminal activity. And so when we look back to the cross and we only see him at the cross, we see him as the victim. We don't look at him with any sense of faith or any sense of hope. But you see, God wanted to bring Thomas and God this morning, he wants to bring you into a new place. Hallelujah. He wants to do something new for you today. He wants to so change something about your life today. And that change, he wants it to be forever, not just a blue jumper on a Sunday morning. But he wants to change something so that when people look at you, they will realize something has happened to you. You know, and it's not just a new jumper that you wear, but it's a new expression of faith, 
hope and love that you're wearing. And because you're wearing it, things are different from that point on. There's a whole experience that happened in the life of Peter and Thomas. And so here, he wasn't there. He didn't see him. And he says, because of that, I will not believe. You know, I wonder if you saw the film Nessie once. Remember that film Nessie? Anybody here watch the film Nessie? Oh, one person. Two. Anybody else? Three. And he rises on four, four, five, six. You get the whole lot in a moment. You'll all be going out and buying it. But this is what it says. The little boy is saying to the dad that um, the dad says to him, I won't believe unless I see it. And the little boy turns to the dad. I think it was the dad. And he says, yes, but you can't see it until you believe. You can't see it until you believe. See, that is what Jesus is doing in taking Thomas back to the nails. You see, he, was, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. Jesus, Jesus wasn't there just like Thomas wasn't there. And yet words that had been spoken were the very words that Jesus spoke into Thomas's life. See, Thomas said to the disciples, unless I see, unless I put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. No matter what you're saying, no matter how joyful you are, I just can't get it. And as much as I want to, I just can't. I need to put my hand into his side, put my finger into the nails. And Jesus, when he comes, what does he say to him? Put your finger into the nails. Put your hand into my side. You see, he took the very words that he'd spoken. It was like, do you remember that um, little notice that people had, a little like postcard thing, and it said he's the silent listener to every meal? You know, see, Jesus is ever present. He hears our hearts. I want you to know this morning that he hears your heart. He hears what you say, whether you say it to another person or whether it's just that inner talk that you have with yourself. You know, where you just have that self-talk, where you're just saying things in your life to yourself. Will this ever happen? I, I don't know whether... I believe that anymore. I don't know whether that was true anymore. I don't know whether what I believe and how I live my life squares up anymore. And there's times in our life when we go through times like that. See, it's times when we come to a place where we begin to doubt. That word doubt is the same word as believe, but it's just got a, an A before it, 
which puts a negative. So the doubt is an unbelieving. And here, if you were to look at it in its um, entirety, he says, do not, um, let me just get it, where Jesus says to him, um, I will not believe, uh, Thomas is speaking, and he says to them, I will not believe. And it's a double negative. It's like, no, never. I am never, ever going to believe this. It wasn't just a casual thing. There was a double negative within it. And so there was a reinforcing. He was reinforcing something in his own life. You see, and so often, the blindness of our unbelief, that's what unbelief will do. It will cause you to have blindness. That is, you won't even be able to see the things that you once believed in. That's what unbelief is like. And listen, we can walk in faith one moment in our lives and we can step back out of it at another point. But we have to keep moving on with the new places of faith that God takes us to. Because if we don't, there comes a time when we have to go back... The whole thing about Christian life is filled, and I was going to say cluttered, but it's cluttered with people. You have Pilgrim's Progress when he takes a rest as he's going up the rock, and as he goes up the rock, he takes out the scroll in order to encourage himself. But when he falls asleep, the scroll falls down, and what happens, he goes on. And when he comes to a difficulty, he goes for the scroll to get encouragement from it only to realize he has left it somewhere and he has to go all the way back, pick up the scroll and encourage himself again in order to move on. This is what Jesus was doing with Thomas, he was taking him back. It wasn't in a negative sense, but he was taking him back to the nails and saying with his own confession, put your finger where the nails were. Put your hand into the side. The very things that you declared out over your life, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you from that point of your declaration and I'm going to bring you to a new place. And that new place is you're going to believe again. Hallelujah. You're going to come to a new place where you believe. So I, I sense this morning that there's people here. You need to come to a new place where you believe again. See, he wasn't there. He didn't see him. He didn't believe. Unless I see, unless I put my finger in his nail prints, unless I put my hand into is I will not believe. I need something tangible. See, faith is the substance, but he'd lost it. He'd lost his faith. And that's why Jesus said to him, listen, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. And so for you and for me this morning, you know, as we move into that place, going back again, looking at the nails again, looking at the place. 
You know, there's so many of my friends that I saw them fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people who've been so you know, blasted by the Holy Spirit. And as they have come under the anointing, they've shut, they've fallen, they've got up, their lives have been changed. And then five years later, they're even questioning the very experience that they had as to whether it was real. Why? Doubt. And so often, what we do is we don't go back, we just carry on walking with all our doubts. And then what happens is something else comes in. Something else comes in. And it's the same as healing. You know, where you get healed of something and then what happens is you move into another time in your life where you need God's healing touch. But what you do, you forget the healing that you had. And so what happens, you begin to doubt whether God can heal today. And so what happens is, times we have to go back to the place where God met us. Why? Because that's the place of our testimony. The nails were a place of testimony. The nails were the place where he last saw Jesus. And when you keep returning only to the last place you saw Jesus, that's just a religious experience. That's what religion does. It's like Misty Edwards that says, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. But he's seated in heaven and he's coming again. Do you understand? He's not the man in the grave, but he is risen from the grave. He's not there, it's here. And so often every time we go back and the Christian calendar keeps taking us back there. Why? I believe it's because God wants to keep moving us on. So we can pick up at the point where we feel that our doubts came in. See, what are your doubts? What do you question? See, God will meet every one of us differently with Peter. Do you remember Peter? Peter, he was the one that denied him. And in the denial, what does Jesus say to Peter? It's different to what he says to Thomas. Peter, he says to him, he asks him a question. It's a very provocative question. He says, do you love me, Peter? But to Thomas, he says, put your hand here. You see, the one is a probing question. The other is an imperative action, a command. When he says, put your hand in here, he wouldn't say, oh, and by the way, um, Thomas, um, would you mind putting your hand where the nails were? Um, would you please do that? You know, it wasn't. It was in that imperative, that command. Put your finger in the nail marks. Oh, how did you know? Who's told him? Well, nobody. Because it's a week later, nobody's seen him since then. See, but he is ever present, never absent. Even though we can't see him, we believe in him. Do you understand? That's what Paul says. Even though we haven't seen him, we 
believe in him and we have joy unspeakable. See, that's what happens. That's what faith does. And Jesus is not rebuking his building faith. And as he does that, how does he do it? You see, he begins to remove from his life. You see, if we're to move on with God, we need unadulterated faith. We need, I was trying to find the book, um, the Ragamuffin um, Gospel, because in there, um, a guy called Brendan Manning, he says that the cross needs to be drunk neat. You know, straight down with no diluting. You know, and he's a, a person that um, worked with people recovering from addictions. And he says they, they need to be drunk, the gospel needs to be drunk neat without any additives, no diluting, just straight. And because God wants us to have the fullness of that in our lives. And so there's times when we can feel left out because of our absence. Do you ever feel like that? You just feel that you're on the outside looking in. There are times when we fail and we're left out in our brokenness. There's times when we're left in the dark and we can't embrace what's being said. I wonder what category you fall into today. I wonder in your heart, what do you fall into? There's questions that you have. Times when we are unavailable because of the pain that we've gone through. I don't know what kept him out from the, the meeting of the first time, but something did. Something came in. And there's times, you see, where that happens, where we don't come. I was listening to someone um, this week, and we were talking, coming into the meeting, uh, coming into the church today. And, uh, and I said, you know, we never have to advertise, and we never have to do all of the announcements to get us up to eat breakfast. We noticed that? You know, for you today, you're not going to need an announcement to go and have dinner after church. But if I keep you here a bit longer. <laughs> you know, you're, you're never going, you don't need, why? Hunger. Hunger. See, when we have a hunger, our hunger drives us on. And we won't stop until we've eaten. We don't need a whole load of adverts and announcements to tell us what's going on. And yet, what happens in our spiritual life, it's like we don't allow the same things to operate in us. Are you with me? It's getting very, very quiet here this morning. Anybody hungry? Yes. Anybody hungry for Jesus? Yes. Well, I know there's a whole bunch of people who are hungry for Jesus because you could not have worshipped the way that you did this morning without being hungry. So I know I've got some hungry people. But you see, there are times when we feel that we're on the outside looking in. Times when we, you know, just some things that I've just put down here. 
See, as we return to the nails, is what we're doing is we're resurrecting faith. Faith is being resurrected again. And as that faith begins to rise, is what happens is we move into a place where our faith is becoming genuine. I believe God wants us to have genuine faith. The real thing. Not make-believe, not trying to convince ourselves, but being convinced by the very words that Jesus spoke to us. See, having the real, having the true. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, this message could move you to a place where you're pleasing to God this morning. And as you move, see, because those who come to God must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now listen, that word exist is not the word of, you know, the, um, the whole thing of cr the creative work of God. It's about exist because of presence. You know, I know that Sharon exists because of her presence. Can you see? And we know Jesus exists because of his presence. And because of that presence is what's there that we understand his life. And because we understand his life, we are able to come into the story of his life and therefore align our lives with his life. See, God wants you to have your life aligned this morning. I don't know what questions you've got, but I know there's lots of questions here. I don't know whether this week you've gone through a time and said, God, where is your presence? And what happens is we forget. We forget. You know, what do we forget? Well, we forget things like soaking. Simple as that. We just forget. So what we do is we get up, we have a quick cup of coffee or a quick cup of tea, we have a quick read, and, you know, and what's happening, we, we're on autopilot. I was talking to Herman before the meeting. And, and it's like we, we connect into autopilot. So this is just what I do. I get up, I have my reading, I read my Every Day with Jesus or whatever other um, devotion you might have. I do that and I move on and I move on. And in the end, I've done it all, but there's no life in it. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yeah. And so what happens is, all that I've heard, not about soaking, do you know what we mean by that? It's just waiting in the presence of God, lying on the floor, sitting in a chair, and just allowing the presence of God to come into your life. And as he does, he begins to speak to you. And you write down the things that he speaks. Call that journaling. And the thing is this, we forget. So we have to go back to the nails. We have to go back to those places that God met us, that is our testimony. And in that, we go back again and we say, God, here I am. Yeah. It's me again, Lord. 
standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> Little old me, I'm here, God. You know, and we forget. Do you remember the man in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 6? And he says, alas, my master, it was lost when he's chopping down trees and he loses his axe head. And what does he say? Where did it fall? See, where did it fall? Where did you lose it? Where did you move into doubting? Where did you move into that place of unbelief? Well, it was because I didn't know your presence, Jesus. Everybody else was getting the presence, but I wasn't. And that's where I lost it. Well, I want to take you back to that place of presence again, Thomas. Just put your hand, put your finger here, put your hand. We don't know whether he, he, he ever did it. Do you understand? Because once he got back to that place, something radically changed in his life. And what changed was a declaration that he made. And the declaration was, oh, I've been so stupid, Lord. God, I should have. Jesus, I should have known all this. You told me so many times, but he didn't. He said, my Lord and my God. Do you know this word, Lord, kurios, is the, the original word. Do you know what it means? A Lord is somebody that has purchased something and it now belongs to him. That's what Lord means. That's what that word means. That you have been bought with a price. You're no longer your own. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. See, that's what it means. And also, this word is not just about purchasing, but it's also about his power, his ability to overcome everything in your life so that you are possessed by his power. And then the third thing is, just to make it easy for you, it's about passion. You have captured my heart. You've captivated me. Just one look, you have captivated me. Listen, just you turning to the Lord Jesus let me, because that's who captivates the heart. It's the lover looking at the, the groom. And so in Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9, it says, You have captured, this is the king said to his bride, You have captured my heart, my sister, my spouse, with just one look of your eyes. And so here, just by coming back into that place of connecting with him, relationship with him, there is something that happens where you're not just bought with a price. It's not just his power to overcome everything that has stood against you, all the fears, all the unbelief, but it's also the place where you turn to him and he is ravished with the look of your eyes. His heart goes out to you. See, I want you to know this morning that 
The heart of God goes out to you just as you've gone out to him. I want you to know it's not about your unbelief and your doubts. He didn't call him Doubting Thomas. He called him Thomas. He didn't say to him, well, you've been such a fool, Thomas. He didn't say to him even of slower faith to believe. He didn't use all those expressions and he could have done. He'd done it to the disciples in the past, but he's not doing it this morning when Jesus shows up. He is doing something quite different. Why? Because he knew the brokenness in Thomas and he needed to draw him in. And the only way he was going to draw him in to that encounter with Jesus was to take him back to his own words and the things that he had said and what he was going to do, he was going to turn those things around. He was going to take him back to the nails, to the wounded side and say to him, listen, Thomas, it's me. And as he did that, he said, my Lord and my God, Lord, you... You're the one who has possessed me. You're the one whose power has overcome everything in my life. You're the one that my heart goes out to. And as he does that, faith begins to rise in him again. And he says to him, you believe. He didn't say, well, you know, the fact is, Thomas, that you're not really there yet because... You know, we've still got a way to go. We've still got to get you to the place where you're not looking at things, but you're believing without seeing. He didn't say that. He said, listen, Thomas, he said you believe. And that's wonderful. We're, we're back in that place of faith again. He says, you believe because you can see. But I want you to know that there is a blessing that comes when we don't see and when we believe. Can you see? Why is he saying that to him? He's saying it because in a moment he's going to disappear out of their sight again. And he's not going to be around. And he wants to leave him with something that says, will you now believe because you don't see? Will you now step full circle and come to a place where you're believing because you don't see, because you believe the very things, the words that I've spoken over you. And because of that, you've moved back into a place of faith. You've moved into a place of hope. And you've moved into a place of love again. Because faith, hope and love, these three. And the greatest of these is what? Is love. And so the absent one becomes present. The unnoticed one becomes noticed. And the excluded one becomes included. See, where are you this morning? See, you need to return. Remember the church in Revelation of Ephesians? And it says there, Remember the height from which you've fallen. Why? 
because you need to return there and then do the very things that you did at the beginning. Do the things that were prompted by your love for me, not by the mechanics of church and programs and doing this and doing that, but those things that are promoted out of a loving relationship. See, return. Look to the height from which you've fallen and return to that place and do the works that you did at first. Hallelujah. And as we do that, See, we can use these resurrection stories to actually aid us in our work, in our walk with Jesus. And so here to say to him this morning, Lord, you're the one who's possessed me. You're the one who's embraced me. You're the one who's won me. You're the one who's overcome all of my unbelief. Because he's the only one who can do it. See, it's not, it's not me that you need. It's not the church here that you need. As good as those things can be, but let me tell you, you need the presence of God again. And you don't need it on a Sunday. You need that presence all the time. Why? Because of the questions that you have. And because of that, you need to hear him speaking to you. See, I won't believe. Because I wasn't there. And Jesus comes and he says, my Lord and my God. He didn't go through a whole process. It was a moment that so shook his life. And as it shook him, doubt and unbelief left him. And he moved back to a place of faith again. Because Jesus told him that. You believe. Because you've seen. You know, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a criticism. It was a statement that he was making. You have believed because you've seen. But you know, blessed are those. And you could be one of those. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And then, boom, he's gone. Where's he gone? <laughs> Jesus, where are you? It's like, do you still believe? Do you still know that I'm here? Do you still know even when you can't see my hands anymore? When you can't put your hand into my side anymore? Do you still believe? And I believe Thomas could easily say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are my Lord and that you're my God. Amen. Give the Lord a big clap this morning, can you? I was going to say some other things, but that will come for another time. So what are your doubts? What are they? You know, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't feel God any time. Did you know that? But what are your, what are your doubts? What's the area where you're struggling to believe things? That you need to go back to the nails in order for God to give you a fresh revelation so that you move in back into a place of faith.
Father, I pray for us all today. I pray, Lord, that you would so touch our hearts, the questions that we have, the statements that we make, the words that come out of our heart that really do reveal our hearts. Lord, I ask this morning that you would bring each and every one that's gathered here to a new place of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, I ask that for every person here today, they may step into that place of knowing your pleasure and knowing that they're pleasing to you. So come and touch our hearts today, Lord. Father, be the one who Jesus comes and he appears to those this morning who have so many questions and yet needing a fresh touch from you to bring them back to that place of faith, back to the place of their nails, back to the place where they last experienced you so that they can use that as a testimony in their lives to move them into their future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And as they come back, I just want to ask that there's people here this morning. And for you, you just want to step into a place. There's things that you've heard and you think, that's me. And why don't we all stand for a moment, can we? I do that because it makes it easy for people to respond. All the time I always find that whenever we make it easy for people to respond rather than having them jump through hoops to try and get to that place. It just shows something of how God reaches out to us, makes it easy for us to come to him. And so you may be here this morning with doubts in your heart. There's questions that you've been having. There's areas of brokenness in your lives. And you just need to come back to a new place. And if that's you this morning... I just want you to put up your hand. Anyone else? You're just saying, God, I just need to come back to that place. I'm a little like Thomas this morning, but I'm not a doubting Thomas. I'm just like Thomas. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. To just allow Holy Spirit to so touch you. I know there's questions about it all morning.